Klaatu, Verata, what's the next word? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. In the spotlight this week is an adorable new arrival about beginner wizards trying their best to cast magic spells. It's called Abracado... What? Welcome back to The Snakes Cast, everyone. Joining me this week are my co-hosts Steve Tassie. Hello. And Scott Moyle. Hi. Okay, so you guys have seen Army of Darkness, right? Oh, yes. Like 30 times. Yes. Nickel. And Nectar. cosplayed Ash. <laughs> Necktie. So you played Hanabi, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. That one where you got to be holding your cards and they're facing away from you and you have no idea what you've got. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, if you combine these two things, if we're going to do the thing where you can't cast spells correctly and you don't even get to see what you have, then the result is going to be awesome, right? Yeah, I think so. Obviously. So the result is Abrica What by Gunhee Kim. And uh, the illustrations for this one are wonderful. The lovely, lovely Marie Cavuda, the lady behind the illustrations in Dixit, provided this. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah it looks like a beautiful children's book about killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Or at least of messing up magic spells in a uh, sort of a wily coyote type sense. I imagine mm-hmm. you know, people don't actually die and get burned to a crisp. They just have like a, you know black ash-colored face with their hair sticking in all directions like Wily Coyote does. Right. Yeah, thematically it's sort of epic spell wars of the battle wizard's light. And uh, and in it, it's, 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 well, it's all about making mistakes. It's all about sort of stumbling your way through magic yes. in a lot of ways. I made a colossal mistake the last time I played. I don't know, I don't know where my brain went, but it went Excellent. away. Excellent. I look forward to hearing about this away. mistake once we've uh, provided our audience with enough to sort of go on for what this is like. But uh, yeah, New Arrival, it's for, I believe it's, it's for three to five players? It two says to five. two to five, but it's lying. Yes, that's uh, as, as so many game boxes do. And we'll talk about that in a future episode, about what happens when you put a two on the box. So you've got people sitting around the table, and they've got these little magic spell thingies. and Spellstones. And they're, they're these, what, what do they look like? Describe for audience. At the, at little home. plastic bricks yeah. with a spell on one side, the side you can't see, and uh, they're just a featureless plastic little... Yeah, they're like Chunk. a like a black tombstone almost, with <laughs> with a spell slotted into it. Or a two thousand one style monolith yeah. with little mm-hmm. magic-y star type things on. And they're always facing away from you, so you don't know what you've got. But you do know what the other players have got. And by process of elimination, you can sort of figure out, okay, this is what I've got. I'm going to cast some spells. I'm going to do some stuff. One would assume. At least that's the plan. <laughs> and uh, so, so what's what, what, what's what's your turn going to be like in this game? So we're sitting there. We've got the picture. We're all sitting around the table. We've got these little spells facing away from us. What what's somebody going to be doing on their turn? Well, you're going to be looking at everyone else's spells and counting what you can see because there are eight different spells you can cast. And there's only one copy of the number one spell. There's two copies of the number two spell. And I'll let everyone else do the math. Uh, So you look out there and you see what other people have. And that, theoretically, tells you what you have. Uh, And so you try to cast a spell. You pick one and you say, I cast Blizzard! Or whatever your chosen spell is, and Which someone is like spell number six, or yeah, something and like someone that. else will tell you if you actually can. And <laughs> if it happens, then the effect goes off, and if not, you take a point of damage. If you cast a spell successfully, you can then cast another spell, as long as it is the same spell or a higher numbered spell. So from Blizzard, I could go to Magic Drank. Uh, but I can't go back to a dream singer or uh, ultimate dragon or whatever the night singer ancient dragon. Yeah, whatever. Bam. <laughs> 
Scott knows the game. <laughs> I, I noticed you didn't correct me on Magic Drank. No, that's what I call it, too. <laughs> I believe Magic Drank that's, is the correct pronunciation. Of Magic that Drank spell. is the accepted pronunciation of that, yeah. So uh, once you've got it set up, once you're playing, and you're taking turns doing things, what, is, what, what effect will these spells have? What, what are we doing? It's some combination of beating on your friends and healing yourself, and some of them beat on your friends and heal you a little. Uh, there's one outlier, which for me is the really interesting spell. Number four, Night Singer, lets you take a face-down spellstone, one that, uh, that's been set aside to sort of mess up the card-counting aspect of the game. You get to take one of those, look at it. You can't cast it, but now you know a little more about what you might have, um, assuming you survived the round. You don't have to win, you just have to not lose the round. Every uh, secret stone you've snagged that way is worth a bonus point. It adds a neat dynamic and another way to score some points. So you mentioned not losing. Uh, not losing is usually a viable strategy in most games. How do we do that? Uh, don't, um, don't cast spells you can't cast Okay. for the start. Uh, I think it also helps not to get in the way of the other player's fireballs. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, Don't be to the left of someone who casts fireball spells. That's, that is your best strategy, really. <laughs> don't be to the left. Or don't be to the right of people who are casting blizzards. Yeah, that's, that's also good. And that actually brings in an interesting idea. Um, because you get some points for surviving, no points for losing the round by losing your last life point, but more points for actually winning. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll pick on the person who's running out of hit points, which adds a neat mechanic, or a neat dynamic, I guess, of guessing... I probably don't have a fireball, but on the you know, 1 in 10 chance that I do have a fireball... If I cast it, it ends the game for you and I win the round, so I should take the risk, probably. It messes up the straight card-counting aspect by yeah. making you want the, certain spells in yeah, certain I, I, I want this spell to be in my hand, but I don't know if it actually is. But you'll take weird risks on account yeah. of that. Ah, uh, risk management. Hmm. But well, we seem to have all the elements of a successful Snakes and Lattes style cafe game here. We've got, uh, we've got adorable artwork. We've got a decent range of player count from three to five. A lot of tables can manage with that. We've got uh, a popular sort of thing, magic spells. We have this cute sort of Harry Potter thing going. So this game must be a big hit at the cafe, right? You know, you pitch this to people and they want to play it. They, they always, they want to play it right now, right? That's if, how it works, right? If I can get people playing it, they will play it over and over again. But the pitch is tough. Why is that? Because the frame of reference for it in terms of mechanics, it's really it's tricky. It's hard to get someone excited about a game by saying, "Hey, have you played Hanabi?" The answer's quite possibly going to be no. Okay, then have you played? Oh no, because it's kind of not <laughs> like anything else, right? Um, it's in a category of games that I pitch by either just getting people excited about the theme. Mm. Um, I've described it as you're just bad wizards who are bad at their jobs. Um, I've described it as if you like epic spell wars, but you want something mechanically different but thematically on point, it's a good one. Um, and I've described it as a uh, drunken brawl after the Hogwarts prom uh, with some <laughs> success. But uh, how does that not work? Like that—that's well, it's it's hit or miss. But when I get people excited about it, it's because I've taken a very sideways pitch to it. I don't—I never talk about the mechanics when I'm pitching it. Um, a la carte's another one that does that. I just have to say, hey, want to play something weird where you trust me and it's cool? <laughs> and it works out once they're playing it. How about you, Steve? I don't think I've actually uh, taught it to a table. Hmm. Um, I, I have uh, I've played it a number of times, and every time it's been played, it's been enjoyed, and the, the people who have been new to the game have really liked it. But... Um, 
I it came out after I stopped having as much interaction with the customers as mm. I used to. I now more directly interact with my fellow staff and the wall itself. So uh, I haven't been spending a lot of time uh, on the recommendation front these days. Uh, but um, drunken brawl after Hogwarts <laughs> prom is definitely going to be my like go-to. Sli- I'm, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> and what, I, what I've done before is I've said, okay, you are begin. Well, okay, we'll say you're beginner wizards where beginner is a substitute for incompetent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that usually gets a chuckle. And people, I think people generally speaking are more apt to try something if it's established from the outset that they are dumb. It's okay. <laughs> Within some, the game. Exactly. Yeah. Inside the game. They're supposed to make mistakes. They're supposed to be kind of silly and not, you know, awesome, badass type things. It doesn't give them something they feel like they can't live up to. And uh, that generally has been fairly helpful. But Everyone can live up to being an incompetent wizard. Absolutely. But uh, Scott's right, though. The moment I start describing how the game actually works, how the rules work, how you've got these spells that are facing the opposite way and you don't know what you have then their eyes start to glaze over. Yeah, and it's really easy to dump it on the table, set it up, and, and go. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the teach is really, really easy, um, especially since it's a game about failing all the time. It's, <laughs> it's such an easy teach if you've got the parts in hand. But Yeah, pick a number. Pitch at the wall. Say, I cast this. If you have it, great, it happens. If not, well, too bad. Ooh, see if you can spot the blunder I made. Okay. And describe the situation. All so, right. uh, four-player game. Uh... The player before me looks at everybody's hands and says, Ancient Dragon. That's spell number one, folks. The most powerful spell in the game. Only one copy of it. It punishes you extra hard if you screw up when you're casting it. And we all told him no, because he did not have Ancient Dragon. Uh He rolled the die and he took a point of damage. So he he got lucky with that. So then it's my turn. And I say, huh. Well, it didn't work for him, but Ancient Dragon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Plumbing my. the depths of incompetent wizardry. Yeah. Well, you know, if you had actually picked up some new spells between their turn and your turn, that could have worked, but... Uh... No, I was immediately next. Yeah. Like, and No excuse. And the moment I said it, I knew <laughs> what I had done wrong. <laughs> Uh, but it was too late. You can't take it back. For the folks and... at home, if you're having trouble following that, there's only one of these things. If Steve's opponent didn't see, had, had seen Steve with this, they would have known not to try it. Yeah, so and... clearly I did not have it, but that... that's boundless optimism on my part. It's, it's, it's kind of a thing. And then I rolled three. Oh, dear. <laughs> so Steve takes extra damage. And, uh, well, actually, let's talk a little Story bit about... Story of my life. Let's talk a little bit about damage in this. All right, so everybody starts with six little life points, six cute little pictures of yourself. And every time you get an ouchie, one of those things goes away. If you run out, then you're out, and we're done for that round. If you go down, you get no points. If you're the one who knocks somebody else down, you get three. If you're sort of a bystander and you're still breathing at the end, you get one. But this, to me, is what really makes the game. If you shoot the moon, if you manage to cast your entire spell, we're going to empty it out completely, you just win. You get three points and everybody else gets nothing. And that, I think, is my favorite thing about Abrica What? How do you explain it? The way I explain it is if you can empty out your spellbook, you just win. Okay. I say it's like shooting the moon. Right. I, I usually I don't, I don't even describe it thematically. People all understand going out like if they're playing Uno or something. Right, right, right. So I don't even try to go for theme. I oh. just say if you can cast the entire contents of your spellbook, you just win. Oh, I've been explaining it as the... Uh, Abrica Scrabble it. <laughs> well, if you manage to, uh, to cast every spell you can think of, the... Uh, 
the buildup of magical power just wipes everybody out and you win <laughs> because it helps tie into the the teaching language of no points for dying three points for killing someone one point for surviving well there aren't any survivors in that fits in well i think i like giving people that uh, that, that other nuclear thing to shoot for bomb. yes magic magic because not everybody Mushroom wants to cloud. nuke their friends. Strangely enough, Scott, I, I, I realize this might be a bit uh, really? an odd thing to you. There's, there's some people who, do, who would rather win peacefully. Every time I teach this game, the thing people get excited about is... Uh, Blowing up their friends? Yeah, is, is being jerks and being aggressive. Huh. And it's this idea that they're kind of blindfolded at the shooting range. And <laughs> <laughs> I may actually have to try teaching it that way. That's interesting. Blindfolded at opposite ends of the shooting range. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mentioned Abraka Watt, and uh, the older copies of this game said Abraka Watt on the box. That's a cool name. Uh, the most recent ones, though, published in English by Z-Man Games, uh, say Abraka Dawat. And I'm not quite sure what happened there, so, I mean, let's... I think Abraka Dawat, I think the extra syllable rolls off the, the tongue a little easier. I, I disagree. I think Abraka Watt rolls off the tongue better than Abraka Dawat. Or as, oh. as our friend Adam Roska put it, uh, that way you can say Abraka Watt! And <laughs> as I will now henceforth say, yeah, totally. <laughs> but Abracadabra, it doesn't really scan no, quite as well. Fair. I'm not sure, it's, but still though. I mean, Z-Man's title budget increased, and they just had like room they had some spare letters yeah, yeah, hanging around. That's how that works. Well, yeah, as, yeah. as a Shakespearean, then of course the the I am of uh, Abracadabra. Actually, that's something I am. That's a a a trokey. That it's is. Anyway, never mind. Nerds. Five syllables. Poetry nerds. Never mind. So, who do we recommend this game to, generally speaking? People who like to be dicks to each other. That's, uh, <laughs> I think, that that's, it's going to go, uh, unfortunately, we don't have room in the be dicks to each other cubby on the wall. Otherwise known as the social deduction games cubby. Uh, no, no, actually not. No? No. Uh, for me, the be dicks to each other cubby is uh, I'm the boss, Quo Vadis, oh. uh, Revolution. Otherwise known as the negotiation boats. games. Uh, the... So, yeah, it definitely is a spiritual successor to those, I think. Who would we not um, recommend this to? Um, it's not a great one for kids, I find. You think so? Yeah, I've had a lot of success pitching it to... Uh, the art is very kid-friendly, but yeah. the, the concepts, the, the mechanics of card counting are not, I don't think, of like a the kid of Okay, we've seen six it, eights, that means there's only two eights left. I think it feels a lot like homework. Um, if uh, if card counting is unfamiliar to you, um, and there are games where card counting is a thing you do by the by, but this one is the card counting. So, right. yeah, um, I've also I've also had a little more success uh, if people have had a few drinks already if they're a little warmed up because <laughs> really? again the chaos plays into it. Right, you're a little more willing to to play a and game about failure, about making mistakes, and that doesn't make the teach uh, more challenging. Um, my teach of that game is a bit of a circus. It's, okay. it's a bit of a dog and pony show. There's some, there are some funny voices and some, some gestures. It's... And this is not the only game where this is the case for you, I imagine. No, I do a lot of that. That's, that's, I think, part of my teaching style. But this one, I really engage with how goofy the theme is, and people with a couple of beers in them seem to really like that. Hints for introducing your people to Abrica What if it's your flavor. That's it for this week. If there's a game you'd like to see in the game spotlight, tweet it to us at SnakesCast. If it's something that makes for a good cafe experience, we'll definitely cover it. Steve, Scott, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to people in it and not the company behind it. Until next week, game on. Game on.